Welcome to Inside Scoop, a podcast that brings you practical servings of Swami's sweetest teachings. Today we have the pleasure of speaking to the former Deputy National Teen Youth Coordinator, Sister Darshana Sivanandam, who never fails to keep us reflecting through her masala chips for the soul. Hi, Akka. Hi, Neera. Let's begin our chat with a little game, okay? Okay. I'm going to give you three statements about Swami, and your task is to identify which one is the untrue statement. Okay. All I hope right. I don't get this wrong. You'll be great. <laughs> okay. Statement one: While studying in the middle school in Kamalapuram, Swami used to walk eight kilometers a day to fetch water from the nearest river. That's true. Okay. Number two. Swami used to eat the same breakfast every day while he was in school and it was one idli and sambar. I think that's true. And the third one is during a school event when the performer couldn't make it, Swami dressed himself up in a sari and he performed the whole dance. I don't know if this is true. I think the third one may not be true. Okay, so the third one is actually right. Swami did dress up. Oh, no! <laughs> so, but it's so hard uh, to believe, right? That Swami. So, so okay. So that means the second one is untrue. Then is yes, it? Yes, very. Yeah, that's correct. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, even in sambar, what? Okay, yeah, so obviously was, I got that wrong. No worries. Uh, that was it. Was hard, lah. <laughs> Swami actually just all he had every breakfast was one hard ball of flour, uh, from yeah. the night before. Yeah. But it's so hard to believe Swami dressing up in a sari and performing a dance. So, it's yeah. I I do remember him doing something similar later uh, in life. Right. Yeah. But I I don't think I remember. Yeah. So I guess I need to go read Satyam (laughs) Shivam. So we know so much about Swami's life, right? And like you said, Satyam Shivam Sundaram. It's all so well documented. But Swami himself is so mysterious and. Complex mm. and hard to understand, which brings me to my first question. Say someone spots your phone wallpaper and it's a picture of Swami, and wants to know who is this dude. How would you explain Swami to uh, that person in a meaningful way? Hmm. This is a good question. <laughs> so I think what I would say is. Um, Satisai Baba is many different things. Right. He is sometimes God, sometimes Guru, sometimes father, sometimes mother, sometimes friend. Mm. And I have experienced him as all of this throughout my life. Right. In many ways, he is a uh, spiritual anchor. Mm. And the most important thing that he has taught me is to continue to believe in myself mm. and to continue to seek answers in me within right, right. i think wow. that would be how i describe swami to someone who doesn't know who swami is 
Beautiful. So Swami plays multiple roles in your life, right? But Swami has also proclaimed that He is God, and so are we. But the only mm-hmm. difference between Him and、uh, us is that He is aware of that fact, and we are not. So my next question is: If Swami is God and beyond the physical and mental limitations, why did His body have to suffer so much towards the end of His life? Why did he even have to leave his body due to illness? Yeah, you know, this is a question that I asked a lot、um, when I was trying to make sense of his、uh, his leaving the body.、Right. And I remember this、um, anecdote that was shared in a talk、uh, given in Brindavan. I can't remember exactly when and who the person is, but it is available on YouTube. Right. Um, and in this in this talk,、uh, this this uncle who was speaking basically said there was、uh, once they had sat down for an interview with Swami and basically asked this question that you're asking, you know, but in a different way. So the question was, you know, Swami, you are able to heal anybody、uh, with with any sort of diseases, even cancer and you know paralysis, all kinds of things. So why do you not heal yourself? Because、mm-hmm. Was when Swami was、uh, already older, right? And the analogy that Swami gave was、uh, very, very simple but very impactful to me. So Swami said, there are certain laws、uh, of nature that no one can、uh, be be exempted from, including an avatar who comes、mm. down、uh, for the benefit of mankind.、Mm. So take for example a traffic policeman. Yeah, a traffic policeman sets the rules and enforces them, but he also has to abide by the same rules. Right. Similarly, as a divinity or as divine, as a divine being, the rules are set. The laws of nature are there,、um, and when he, when God comes down in human form or when divinity manifests in this plane,、mm-hmm. they are also not bereft or exempted, basically, from、right. these laws. Yeah. So. It happened in every yuga. So, if we look at all the scriptures, we would see that it similar things happened、uh, with Krishna, with Rama,、mm-hmm. um, and any other saint or, or guru who have、mm-hmm. come down to earth at right, this stage, right? right?、Um, and Swami also said, and this is something that he said in many many discourses, that、mm-hmm. actually he doesn't feel pain.、Mm-hmm. We think he feels pain because、right. there is、um, this this、uh, depiction that we see, the perception that we have. Mm. But he he does not feel the pain because he does not have attachment to his body. Right. So not healing himself is also a way to teach mankind and humankind that we we also need to learn how to detach ourselves from too much attachment to the body, right? And right. allow life to take its natural course.、Mm. So for me, I feel like even in death, in inverted commas, death.、Um, The divine can teach you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And、um, you know, when Swami took the form of a man,、uh, he throughout his life, as you said, he acted like one. He joked around. He played. He walked. He ate. He slept. So sickness and death is just part of that whole charade, right? I mean, why would、yeah. that be any different if he did all the other things a human being did?、Uh, why wouldn't he also depart? So that、mm. makes perfect sense. But I guess if we want to believe him to be God, we also have to believe in the concept of him being the avatar first, right? We have to take a step back. 
Um, mm. But sometimes I feel the more I try to rationalize and understand Swami in a logical way, like okay, he's this avatar, and the more confused I am. So is this spiritual journey not made for those of us who need to see things to believe and who need things to make logical sense? Is our minds an obstacle in the spiritual pursuit? Actually, I feel like the mind is one of the most powerful things that he has wow. given us. Okay, interesting. Um, I I want to disagree at this okay, point. Sure. So we've been told that our minds uh, are like the and Swami says this: your mind is the monkey mind. Mm. Uh, you need to keep your ego in check. You have to control your mind. Yeah. But actually, right, the mind is very, very powerful. Mm. Um, and I don't think that we can understand or even start trying to understand what divinity really is if we don't use the discriminative powers that our mind actually has. Right. So if we don't ask questions, then we are just accepting things as is and we won't be able to internalize this concept of what God is or who God really is. Right, right. And at the same time, I can say this because I keep trying this and I still am trying this. I don't think we can ever understand who or what God truly is. Mm -hmm. Because this concept of God is beyond what a human mind can actually perceive. Mm. Right, right. So how can a mind that is used to perceiving this realm, like this earth, basically, this mm. things that we see, like you said, I need to see to believe it. Mm. How can we perceive something that is beyond that? Right. It's okay. really hard, right? Yeah, it's so hard. So, but I feel like our mind takes us to a specific level of understanding. Right. Right. We keep asking questions. We try to question and find the answers for ourselves. Mm. And finding the answers for ourselves is very different from being told. Right. You know? Yeah. So when someone comes and says, this Swami is God. When we were kids, we would have believed it. As we grow older, like you said, we start to question this. How is it possible that a person that looks like a man is God? Mm. And that one question can take you down an entire journey of discovery. Right, absolutely. So I feel like the mind is a, a, the first tool that helps us to start digging deeper. And at some point, the mind will switch off and you will connect internally to the answers that are coming from within. Right. Great. So I'm so glad that you brought up how the mind is a powerful tool. But that same mind often asks me, right? Um, Nira, how do we know that I don't believe uh, that I Swami is God? Because I've just gone to Balikas and that's what I was told. And, you know, when I was born, my parents put his photo in the altar and said, pray to him, he is God. And when something unbelievable happens, oh, this is Swami, it's a miracle. How do I know I'm not just seeing it that way because I have been trained to associate that with Swami or a miracle. And it's not just because I have been conditioned. So what's the difference between faith and conditioning? Yeah. Again, really good questions. Where are you getting questions from? Seriously. This mind, la, this monkey mind. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Um, okay, so let's talk about this for a while then. Yeah. Um, conditioning and faith. Really good question, Nira. So here's how I understand it. When we are conditioned, uh, sometimes we don't know, right? That we have been conditioned. 
um, the minute you start questioning something, I think that's where faith actually starts. Right. When we are conditioned or when we are told and we have a specific belief system, um, sometimes we just do it for the sake of it. Mm. The minute we start to ask questions, I feel that is the point where when understanding comes, you can internalize those answers mm. and you can see for yourself if this belief makes sense. Yeah. Is this a belief that is a fact to you? And you will know because your your heart will say yes or no. Right. Right. There will be this feeling you get, right? And feelings are usually indicators of what's going on inside. Right. So when there's a very unsettling feeling, you may want to keep digging deeper and ask more questions. The minute you start to ask questions, the understanding comes, it becomes something that you internalize and then the faith happens that yes, I believe that this is what it is. It's sitting nicely inside, I get it. Right. Um, and I feel like now this is something I want to believe in and I feel that's where faith starts. Brilliant. So this is what we do with Swami as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Almost everybody would have asked this question: How do I know Swami's God? <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and he would have done. You would have experienced that shift from belief, just conditioned belief, to mm-hmm. faith in different ways. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how you um, pointed out that it's the questioning that um, you know brings out that faith that starts the process of having faith and so questioning is not a sign of weakness or having a lack of faith it's such an intrinsic part of strengthening your faith I love that yeah and if I just can add um, this is also um, again I don't know which discourse somewhere (laughs) Swami has mentioned that question question as much as you want but when you find your answer Mm. and you know that it is the right one don't question again Right, right. That is faith, right? right. That is right. when you have unshaking, unwavering faith. Yeah. After that, it's just you. Yes. Then it's just indulging the mind, overindulging. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And I think, I experiencing plays a key role in that transition from condition to um, faith. Right. It's once you've experienced it for yourself, that's when it becomes your belief as opposed to somebody else's belief. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So Aga, we've talked about the difference between faith and conditioning. But, you know, people often ridicule this concept of faith and ask, so what's the difference between the faith we have in Swami and acts of terrorism done in the name of faith? And they argue that, you know, faith can be such a dangerous space to operate from. So what would be your response to that? Well, it's definitely a tough question, Nira. Um, and maybe I can give some insights on what I think. Yeah. Uh, the, sh- the super short answer to this question is the fact that the fundamental basis of all religious faith of the world is just love, mm. right? So one simple way to know if what we do in the name of religious faith um, is by using the inner compass to answer the question, you know, for things like, is this true? Right. Is it helpful? Mm. Is it necessary? But the final question that I feel changes all of it, which becomes the key inner compass is, is it kind? Right. So if we're doing something in the name of religion and we can't really answer them according to even these four basic questions, mm. if we're hurting people in the name of religion, then highly likely we may not have even understood religion at all to begin right. with. No faith tells us that hurting others is okay. 
right right um yeah so that i think that would be the simplest way to uh, differentiate it uh, especially now in this time and age right fantastic based on what you've said i think it's very important to understand how we are defining and experiencing divinity right because if we interpret it the wrong way uh, it can have horrific consequences so what does divinity mean to you i'm still trying to figure out this question <laughs> okay but i think right now yeah. where i am divinity means everything right it's a very general statement but i actually do believe at this point that the divine is everything it is the good it is the bad especially the bad mm. it is me it is my personality it is the part of me that i don't like it's the part of me that i like right it is how i experience the world mm. um it is what i see it's what i don't see mm. i feel like where i am right now in life the divine is everything right So how can you give us examples of how um you experience swami through parts of yourself that you like or don't like? Hmm. <laughs> This is going to get <laughs> Okay. <laughs> You're really digging deep, Mira. <laughs> I love this. Okay. Um so I guess whenever we uh whenever we feel good and uh, we know that there are parts of us that are the great uh, our positive qualities for example yeah. and i'm going to put positive in inverted commas again right <laughs> okay great we feel like yes these are all high vibrations uh mm. these are my good things and uh, if i am a reflection of swami then uh this is this is definitely something i want in my life right. i want to be i want to be calm i want to be kind i want to be loving mm. and i have those qualities mm. but the moment we experience things like anger or sadness or anxiety um we are quick to sort of shut off from that connection to god mm. and yeah. i used to do this a lot mm. i used to try to not show the negative again mm. inverted commas side <laughs> of me yeah. um for the benefit of this call maybe uh, this this chat we could say like the light and the darkness so i would i would hide the darkness right as as the most of us do yeah yeah but you know actually the darkness is not as bad as we think it is because mm. if we really believe that we are a reflection of swami mm. then even these parts of us that we don't like mm. should be a reflection of him too mm-hmm. and if so um why is it here yeah like why for me some of the questions i ask myself is why do i get angry mm. why am i feeling anxious um why am i feeling sad mm. uh and the minute again this comes back to inquiry you are using your mind the powerful tool to dig a bit deeper mm. and as you dig a little deeper you i started to realize that it's it's not it's not negative it's simply there to tell me something that i don't want to hear or i've been refusing to hear right right so for example um if let's say i ask anxiety what are you trying to tell me mm. and anxiety and you can only hear this if you are willing mm, to I'm take that with yourself yeah yeah and anxiety would say to me you know um 
I've just been really worried about how uncertain everything is. Mm. And I don't know if uh, I know what's going to happen next. Mm. And that makes me feel really scared. Mm. And then if you continue to have that conversation, to me, sometimes I feel like I'm just talking to Swami. Swami is just pointing out that, you know, there's actually nothing to fear. I'm right here. But you need to acknowledge that you are feeling these things first because if not, you cannot integrate it to yourself. Right. Like, how do we love? Swami tells us, and this is something that I believe in, um, love yourself completely first, right? Yeah. Uh, when you are happy, when you are experiencing love and happiness and joy, you feel whole. Yeah. But we cannot feel whole if we are not ready to love every part of ourselves and see every part of ourselves as as a reflection of the divine. So even the darkness to me is a reflection of divinity helping me to understand more about me. Right. So, and I guess that has that has sort of trickled into every other aspect of my life including external experiences. Brilliant. So the emotions negative or positive are just little messages or little portals to help have a conversation with the divinity within you. Is that right? Yeah, that's that's how I see it and that's how I Beautiful. experience. You know, there's no one way to experience the divine. Mm. Um and some of us may know the divine as Satisai Baba. Yeah. Others know him as someone else. It may not even be a he for some people. It might be a she. Mm. Or it might just be the universe. Mm. And I feel like at the end of the day, we can't judge how someone chooses to experience divinity. Right. Some people may be okay with just connecting to the divine through puja and rituals um, or seva or meditation. Mm. And then there are some people who like to debate and get very philosophical. Mm. But at the end of the day, it is what makes you feel um, this really deep, silent connection. Right. You know, I think the reason we find it so hard to express what divinity is it's because it's the nature of divinity to be so all encompassing yeah and as humans we haven't encountered something so boundless like this um in fact one of swami's students has said that to a spiritual aspirant swami is the divine master but to a rationalist he is just the greatest humanitarian on earth and to thousands of youth he is this dynamic leader and a huge source of inspiration and to a devotee he is divinity in human form and to everyone who has had the opportunity to see him he is pure love walking on two feet so i don't think it's the nature of divinity that's changing but who we are so depending on um you know where we are on our journey swami looks different you know of course and i think that is actually the natural evolution of us yeah. when we're on a spiritual path like when you were younger nira i'm sure swami would have been completely different yeah. to you um and he's probably someone completely different to you now right. um and similarly that's that's what happened to me as well and it's going to continue to evolve right i i have there's this saying that i always hold on to that the only constant in my life mm. in the face of change is satisai baba but even satisai baba as an experience is going to continue to evolve <laughs> when i was younger yeah <laughs> i used to um i used to talk to swami a lot he right. 
the first question you asked me, right? Uh, mm. How would you describe Swami to uh, someone who doesn't know him? Yeah. We used to have a photo. We always have a photo of Swami everywhere. But when mm. we were kids, uh, my neighbors, my Malay neighbors, had showed up in my house for a play date, and then mm. they asked me, "Hey, who's this man?" Ah, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how to answer because I was like seven or eight, and I'm like, um. Uh, then then this boy asked me, "Your grandfather?" Ah, I said, "Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, my grandfather." Oh, <laughs> so, Because it's too complicated so, to try explain. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know how to explain to this neighbor of mine that actually this is somebody I believe who is God, you know. Mm. Um, so he started as that a grandfather. When I went off to college, I think he was more of a friend. Mm. Um, I would talk to him. I would write him letters. I actually used to write him a letter, a physical letter, every week when I was studying in Australia, and I would post it to Prashanti Nilayam. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember the the lady at the post office um, sending it to the same person again, love, and I'm like, um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> same person, you know. Um, so I used to do that, and eventually, I think it evolved to a more uh, a very devotional adoration sort right. of a relationship where I actually revered Swami as God. Mm-hmm. Um, I still do, but I think the way I I do choose to experience devotion is very different. So it used to be through bhajans mm-hmm. and uh, meditation. Um, now, at where I am right now, it's what I mentioned earlier. It's it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. sometimes I feel like the form is necessary, and many times I feel like it's not, mm-hmm. and I'm okay with just sitting in. Quiet silence in the morning and experiencing that as Swami. I am okay with having a conversation with you today and knowing that this is also an experience of Swami. I am okay with having a meltdown, <laughs> trying to understand what is going on, and also knowing that yes, this is also Swami telling me something. Mm-hmm. So it's it's constantly evolving, and I have no idea what it's going to be, you know, tomorrow or the day after. All I know is I have learned to trust and not fight it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. You know that story of the blind people trying to explain what an elephant looks like, uh, mm. where one one blind man touches the elephant's leg and thinks that the elephant is a big pillar, and then the other person touches the elephant's ear and says, "Oh, the elephant is a big fan," and like mm. that, it just evolves based on what they are touching. And being unable to see the whole thing, so I feel like that is when we share our experiences of divinity. It feels like that that we're all touching small parts of it, and that's why there's no like common consensus because it's yeah. so vast, right? And we're all just yeah. tapping into little parts. Then yeah. my next question is: If it's so subjective and we we can't see the full picture yet, right? What is that common? Common thing that unifying force of divinity. Hmm. I think the common thing is actually just love. Mm. That is the only common thing. Um, everyone's experience is so different, but mm. it all comes back to unconditional love. Right. Because that is one thing that we experience, regardless of what form divinity takes. Mm. We cannot rationalize divinity. Mm. Uh, We can question it. We can think about it. We can talk about it. But to truly experience divinity in its totality, sometimes I feel the best way to do it is just to be silent, mm-hmm. and then just allow 
for whatever that comes up to come up. Mm. You know, but I and, guess sometimes yeah. it takes all the rationalizing to get to that point. Like we yeah. can't just yeah, you wouldn't be able. Yeah. It's it's basically steps that we can't skip. I guess that's yeah. is that right? I think so, and I think this is what Swami says by monkey mind lah. We question yeah. everything. We have so many questions. We want to know this. Like, why is it like this? How come like this? But then what about that? And then what about this? And after a while, your mind gets tired of asking exactly. questions. Exactly. And then and when there's no yeah. question, then you're quiet, and that's it. And then you know that actually you don't need to look for the divine outside. It is right here with you at any time you want. You can tap into it, and you can experience it. Yeah. And I think, as you're saying, it makes perfect sense. Like we try, 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 try so hard, so much effort, get nowhere, or feel like we're getting nowhere, and then we have no choice but to surrender. Which was the yeah. whole point in of this whole journey, anyway. So yeah. it's amazing how he brings us back full circle. Yeah, and you surrender at the end to nothing but yourself. Mm. You yeah. are surrendering your mind, and you're surrendering to yourself because you are surrendering to the silence. Right. And the only common thing that you will feel is that unconditional love. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Akal, for such an honest take on what divinity is. Dear listeners, it's now time for some Prasadam pills. One, avatar means to descend from the state of the atma to the level of the body. Therefore, the avatar is also bound by laws of nature and the body that it takes. Two, the mind is a powerful tool for our spiritual growth. It is the mind's power to question and discriminate that helps us transition from conditioning to faith. But once we receive the answers we seek, we must shift from just knowing the divine to trying to experience the divine. Three, the primary teaching of all religions is love. If our conduct in the name of religion does not embody that. We should ask ourselves if we have truly understood that religion at all. Four, who Swami is will constantly evolve based on our understanding of divinity, and that is perfectly fine. Five, despite the vastness of divinity and our different experiences of the divine, there is one common unifying force, and that is pure, unconditional love that we feel when we are connected. Next on Insights Group, we explore how we can close all those tabs in our minds. How do we stop overthinking? Until next Friday, happy scooping!